2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went thus, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. It's almost like poetry. David is a natural poet. He's a songwriter. And it's almost like he's singing a mourning song for his son. 2. And it was told Joab, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. 3. And the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard say that day, The king grieveth for his son. This kind of made the whole day sour. All these people who loved King David and fought for him and had all of their trust in him, now they feel like they can't celebrate. They want to celebrate because David took the kingdom back. But because David is depressed about Absalom dying, no one can celebrate. 4. And the people got them by stealth that day into the city as people that are ashamed, still away when they flee in battle. The people were humiliated even though they had won the battle. They felt like they couldn't look David in the face. They felt like they had to run into the shadows and hide for fear of his displeasure because he was so upset that Absalom was gone. This is a huge blow to the kingdom's morale. 5. And the king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son, Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. 6. And Joab came into the house to the king, and said, Thou hast shamed this day the faces of all thy servants, who this day have saved thy life, and the lives of thy sons and of thy daughters, and the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy concubines. Joab is rebuking David, and he's saying, You're making the whole kingdom miserable when they had just saved your life and fought for you. 7. In that thou lovest them that hate thee, and hatest them that love thee. For thou hast declared this day that princes and servants are not unto thee. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived, and all we had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. Joab is trying to talk common sense to David and saying, You're acting as if you wish you had lost the battle and that we had all lost and that Absalom was king. So you're really causing a lot of confusion and hurt. 8. Now therefore arise, go forth and speak to the heart of thy servants. For I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry a man with thee this night, and that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that hath befallen thee from thy youth until now. Joab is saying, if you don't speak a good word to the people and comfort them and help them to feel happy about you being king, then they're all going to abandon you. And it'll be worse than anything that Saul or Absalom ever did to you. 9. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told unto all the people, saying, Behold, the king doth sit in the gate, and all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled every man to his tent. They had all been hiding from David because they were afraid to look at him in the face, because they were afraid he would be mad at them. But now they've been told that he's at the gate ready to address the people. So they all came out of hiding to go see what he says. 10. And all the people were at strife throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us out of the hand of our enemies, and he saved us out of the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled out of the land from Absalom. The rumor was that even though David saved Israel from its enemies, he himself had run from his own son. 11. And Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now therefore, why speak ye not a word of bringing the king back? Some of these people are confused. They don't know who their king is or should be because they had supported Absalom, and now they don't know where they stand. 
that's another reason why a lot of people were hiding from David was because they had supported Absalom. 12. And King David sent to Zadok and to Abiathar the priests, saying, Speak unto the elders of Judah, saying, Why are ye the last to bring the king back to his house? For the speech of all Israel was come to the king to bring him to his house. David is going to have the priests tell the people that they need to install him as king again and make it official. 13. Ye are my brethren, ye are my bone and my flesh. Wherefore then should ye be the last to bring back the king? 14. And say ye to Amasa, Art thou not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if thou be not captain of the host before me, continually in the room of Joab. 15. And he bowed the heart of all the men of Judah, even as the heart of one man, so that they sent unto the king, Return thou and all thy servants. David is giving forgiveness to the people. He's saying, forget that you were behind Absalom. I receive you as being my men now. And everybody is loving David because he's totally forgiving them and overlooking that they had supported Absalom. 16. So the king returned and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to bring the king over the Jordan. David was fighting east of the Jordan. The tribe of Judah is now going to bring him across the Jordan to the west side so that he can go back to Jerusalem. 17. And Shammai, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, who was of Behurim, made haste and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. Shammai is the evil man who was cursing and throwing rocks at David before. 18. And there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons, and his twenty servants with him, and they rushed into the Jordan before the king. These are all enemies of David. These are all men who are behind the Benjamites and Saul's household, and they never wanted David to be king. 19. And the ferry boat passed to and fro to bring over the king's household, and to do what he thought good the ferry is going back and forth across the Jordan, bringing all the king's belongings back to Jerusalem. And Shammai the son of Gera fell down before the king when he would go over the Jordan. 20. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember that which thy servant did iniquitously the day that my lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. Shammai is asking for forgiveness. I don't think he deserves it, but these people want to live. They were all enemies of David, and they were all behind Saul, who is dead, and now they're asking David to forgive them, now that he's going back to be king. But you know how David loves to forgive. 21. For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I am come this day, the first of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord the king. The Benjamites are the younger brothers of Joseph's tribe both the Benjamites and the Ephraimites and the Manassites. They're all from Joseph. And Shammai says, I wanted to be the first to apologize to you and ask you for forgiveness. That was good of him to want to be first, since he was probably the most evil out of all of them. 22. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shammai be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Abishai is one of David's fighters, and he says, no, we should not forgive Shammai. He should be put to death. 23, and David said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah, that ye should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel? David wants to forgive, and this is smart. Shammai totally deserves to be put to death. However, 
by forgiving him and forgiving those who were with him, it sets a precedence that now the kingdom is united, one for all and all for one. If David were to kill Shimei, then anybody who still loved Saul's household would be angry with David and there would still be bad blood in the kingdom. But by forgiving Shimei, it wins everybody's hearts over. So it really is a smart move. 24. And the king said unto Shimei, Thou shalt not die. And the king swore unto him. He made him a promise that he wouldn't be killed. 25. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes, from the day the king departed until the day he came home in peace. When David left the palace, and he went up to the Mount of Olives to pray to the Lord, Mephibosheth's servant Ziba lied to him and told him that Mephibosheth had betrayed him and that Mephibosheth was behind Absalom. Ziba came to David and David said, when I get the kingdom back, I'll give you all of Mephibosheth's property and you will inherit all that property that belonged to Saul. At this point, it still belongs to Mephibosheth, but Ziba was lying Ziba betrayed Mephibosheth because he left Mephibosheth behind. Because remember, Mephibosheth can't walk very well. He's lame. And Ziba left him behind to follow David because Ziba wants to steal Mephibosheth's property by lying about him and claiming that Mephibosheth was David's enemy when he wasn't. When David sees Mephibosheth, he can see that Mephibosheth has been in mourning this whole time because he hasn't groomed himself or washed his clothes since the day that the king left. 26. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou not with me, Mephibosheth? David confronts him and says, Why didn't you leave with me? Why did you stay behind with Absalom? 27. And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go with the king, because thy servant is lame. 28. And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. Mephibosheth says that Ziba had promised to get a donkey for Mephibosheth to ride, and he just deserted Mephibosheth and never came back with a donkey. So Mephibosheth was left there, deserted and unable to walk out of the palace. But Mephibosheth says, you're king, you can do with me whatever you want. If you want to kill me, go ahead and kill me. 29. For all thy father's house were deserving of death at the hand of my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet, or why should I cry any more unto the king? Mephibosheth is saying, You already let me live when you could have killed me because I was part of Saul's house. And the fact that you've let me live this long is enough grace. If you want to kill me now, you have every right to. Mephibosheth is a real man of honor. He's awesome. He sees the big picture, and he sees that his whole life with David up to this point has been gravy. The problem with a lot of people today is they don't see the big picture. 
they don't know when they've been given so many chances and so much grace and they don't appreciate it. And they always feel that the world owes them something when it actually in reality, they're the ones who owe the world. There's a lot of people who take handouts on a weekly, monthly basis from the world, either from churches or governments or other organizations or even their own employer. They don't do their job, but they still collect the paycheck. And yet they have a chip on their shoulder and feel that the world owes them something. Mephibosheth is exactly the opposite. He sees that David could have killed him long ago, and if David wants to kill him now, it's perfectly understandable. So Mephibosheth is a really smart, intelligent person. 30. And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I say thou. Thou and Ziba divide the land. King David is, instead of giving all of the property to Ziba, he says, you and Ziba can divide the property. You can have half and Ziba can have half. Now this really isn't fair, but David doesn't really know who to believe at this point because Ziba has told him one story and Mephibosheth has told him another story. So he says, why don't you both just split Saul's property? 31. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, yea, let him take all for as much as my lord the king has come in peace unto his own house. Mephibosheth says, I'm just happy that you came back, David, and that you're still king. So let Ziba have all the property. I don't need it. You let me sit at your table and eat. I don't really need anything more than that. Again, Mephibosheth is a practical person. He sees the big picture and he appreciates what he's already gotten. And David doesn't owe Mephibosheth anything, let alone Saul's property. Mephibosheth is like, let the thief take it if that's what he wants. God will judge Ziba later. Mephibosheth doesn't have to try to get revenge. He's a real righteous man. Mephibosheth is the same kind of man who Saul's son Jonathan was. 32. And Garzali the Gileadite came down from Rogalim, and he passed on to Jordan with the king to bring him on the way over the Jordan. 33. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king with sustenance while he lay at Mehinam, for he was a very great man. He's a man who had a lot of property and food, and he had a lot of cattle, so he was able to feed David when David was out in the wilderness. 34. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will sustain thee with me in Jerusalem. David is saying, You took care of me when I was across the Jordan. Now come to Jerusalem, and I'll take care of you. Because he's really old. 35. And Barzillai said unto the king, How many are the days of the years of my life that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? 36. I am this day fourscore years old. Can I discern between good and bad? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Barzillai is saying, I'm 80 years old. I can't even taste very well. So the dainties you serve me, I won't be able to taste how good they are. And I can't hear the singing of the music that gets played during dinner time that you'll have playing. So I won't be able to appreciate it. Why should you take me under your wing as a burden when I won't even be able to appreciate anything that you do for me? 37. Thy servant should but just go over the Jordan with the king, and why should the king recompense me with such a great reward? Barzillai is saying, just let me escort you over the river. That's all I need, and I'll go home. You don't need to reward me. 38. Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back, that I may die in mine own city, by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant, Chimham, let him go over with my lord the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. Barzillai says, I'd rather have you take my servant, Chimham, 
as a reward because he can appreciate all that you do for him. And he is young and he can work for you instead of being a burden. So why don't you take him as a gift from me? And then whatever you do for him will be your gift to me. 39. And the king answered, Shimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto me, and whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. David says, Okay, I'll take Shimham, and if you need anything, let me know. 40. And all the people went over the Jordan, and the king went over, and the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned unto his own place. So, of course, he kissed him on the neck, just like all Middle Eastern men do, and he pronounced a blessing over him, which means that they're very good friends. 41. So the king went over to Gilgal, and Shimham went over with him, and all the people of Judah brought the king over, and also half the people of Israel. There's a huge welcoming committee and a huge welcoming procession for King David. This is pretty awesome. And this shows unity in the kingdom and solidarity. And it shows that people are totally behind their king. 42. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away and brought the king and his household over the Jordan and all David's men with him? Now the other Israelites, and some of them had fought against David, but they're now saying, we don't want you to only be king of Judah, we want you to be king of all twelve tribes, and so we need to be acknowledged as being your servants as well. We should be in on this. This is actually good, even though they should be apologizing to David, at least they're asking to be part of his kingdom, and for him to be over them. 43. And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is near of kin to us, wherefore then are ye angry for this matter? Have we eaten at all of the king's cost, or hath any gift been given us? The men of Judah are saying, We're carrying the king back to the palace because he's one of us. He's from the tribe of Judah, and that's our tribe. We owe it to him. He isn't giving us any gift, so what do you guys care? 44. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts in the king, and we have also more right in David than ye. Why then did ye despise us that our advice should not be first in bringing back our king? And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. This is a pride-based argument. The men of Israel feel embarrassed because they weren't partaking in bringing David back, but it's their own faults. They should have been behind David in the first place, and then they would have been there to bring him back. They're blaming the Judaites for their own fault in not being behind David from the start. But the men of Judah, their words are harsher, and they win this verbal argument. And that concludes Second Samuel chapter 19.